0: under the helmet you do your thing all right don't be nervous okay the show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football it's the moment right here we're gonna have to decide what, what type of team we want to be building dynasties each and every week i don't even know your name what's your name chad parsons I'm telling you man you lead leading the league in hydration <laughs> I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at UTHDynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to Under the Helmet. look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Week two is in the books after a doubleheader on Monday night, and we've got more running back carnage. I want to start off with a topic that centric to a lot of analysis at uth you get to hear running back roundup on the premium side going through all 32 running back depth charts on a weekly basis you also get to hear about the optimization and utilization reports Uh, you get to hear about the waiver wire and all these things in terms of analyzing your roster and how to have proper construction on your bench. It centers around the running back position and getting it right. We know volume is key, key, and going through and updating the injury away matrix over at UTH on a weekly basis. Um, this week, the carnage is everywhere. Uh, I w- I counted it up. Ten different depth charts. We are two weeks in, everybody, and ten different depth charts have either an overt injury, an out player, or a possible or suspected out player or one final twist for one depth chart, a player that we didn't think would be starting in week two. We have 10 of those depth charts going into week three of the 2023 season. So to say that the injury away and, and, and running back two landscape is, isn't a vital one to be a part of. I see some of these dynasty teams out there where they have a drove of wide receivers, which leads to ambiguous lineup decisions, but also, I mean, you just do not benefit the same way in a one-to-one way of backup quarterbacks and super flex, uh, backup and primary uh, tight end twos in those applicable formats, and of course, backup running backs in all applicable formats. And just going through the depth charts here, I track missed games, and uh, the number of times we're getting down to the weeds, we actually have a depth chart out of the weed Although already down to QB, uh, QB actually it was a, a fun twist of of uh, of me misspeaking there because uh, the Saints, for example, are down to Tony Jones, but we saw Taysom Hill running as as someone out of the backfield uh, with Jamal Williams out and Alvin Kamara still out for a coming week in Week Three. So the ten depth charts uh, in terms of changes are. Uh, there, the Lions, David Montgomery, so Jameer Gibbs, and then Craig Reynolds this week stepping up on the waiver wire. The Packers, Aaron Jones, missed week two, will he miss again? Uh, that brings guys like Patrick Taylor, Emmanuel Wilson into the injury away uh, zone and and consciousness there with A.J. Dillon clarified as the starter. The Chargers missed Austin Eckler in week two, Joshua Kelly got strong utilization, but you know what? Uh, It was not his fault in terms of his market share was good, but however, the high leverage opportunities or HILO score was very low for the Chargers in week two. Elijah Doxon over Isaiah Spiller. That's one of the bigger surprises when you go back six months, 12 months, or even a few days of saying Isaiah Spiller fading down this depth chart is not one that a lot of people thought. They thought he would actually probably win that number two job over Joshua Kelly. Uh, We also have the Colts, Jonathan Taylor out a month and Zach Moss comes in uh, to be, we also had clarified with Dion Jackson in week one and now Zach Moss in week two as a workhorse uh, profile in terms of how he was utilized with his opportunities uh, Philadelphia Eagles Kenneth Gainwell being out and frankly you could count this twice you know week one we didn't know what was going to happen it was Kenneth Gainwell uh, with a strong market share and then he's out uh, again you get a sub running back you give him a big opportunity and sometimes that leads to big problems uh, that they're going to miss games uh, DeAndre Swift Uh, steps up and again ambiguity weren't quite sure his start rate wasn't overly high and we get a clarified uh, result not necessarily a clarified uh, start from him in week two uh, with Boston Scott and then Rashad Penny being activated who we thought might be a wild card or heck uh, two months ago, might even be the starter uh, with the Eagles. Then we have the Rams, surprisingly good, surprisingly sneaky decent Rams on offense, and Cam Akers in the doghouse yet again. And it's Kieran Williams stepping up. He was treated like the starter, frankly. Uh, put on ice, did not play in the preseason. We get him uh, as the uh, starter in week uh, in week one in terms of all the routes he ran and the passing game involvement. Well, week two, it was all the touches. All All the optimization for Kieran Williams with Cam Akers out of the picture. And Ronnie Rivers now is in play. And who would have thought that? Let's rewind all the way to May. Zach Evans was somebody that, uh, again, five-star guy. Ooh, a lot of potential there. But he fades in the draft and has a nondescript August. And here he is not really figuring into this conversation of, ooh, it's the Wild West there with the Rams running back depth chart. And Zach Evans does not fit a part of that. Uh, Then we have the Browns coming off Monday Night Football. Significant injury for Nick Chubb. Jerome Ford, step right up. Big time opportunity. And Pierre Strong, you are next in line as the preemptive pickup there. Uh, for the Giants, Saquon Barkley probably going to be out this week, potentially longer. Matt Breida, you are up and Eric Gray, Gary Brightwell your potentials there. It feels like Eric Gray could have uh, with the absolute max capacity maybe won this backup job but Matt Breida is that veteran that is uh, tough to unseat and, and for Eric Gray, he did not do so in the month of August. Gary Brightwell closer to just a guy. Then we have J.K. Dobbins uh, with the Ravens. He is also out for the season justice hill we got to see that data point in week two of him being the favorite over gus edwards in that committee and then finally i already mentioned it the saints alvin kamara suspended three games jamal williams it's your show well he lasted less than two games and now it's Tony Jones, Kendra Miller, still, uh, still getting well himself. And now Taysom Hill is a wild card that probably designated as a tight end in your applicable formats. You're going to get to potentially start him at tight end, and yet he could throw passes, uh, be a, a traditional running back, a wildcat quarterback, as well as catching passes to benefit you with your fantasy stat line that is a laundry list i'm exhausted going through that that took a full six seven minutes to go through those 10 depth charts of change and we are to week three it's mind-blowing how um, how heavy handed it's been in terms of missed games so far for the running back position with more to come. The average number of missed games were already zooming up. This could be a record. Um, and again, I don't even double count. Like for the Saints, for example, I mean, if you're down to running back three with Camaragon and Jamal Williams gone, that is technically a double count. You know, that we're already down to the nubs there uh, with running backs. And point. Uh, to note, we saw Leonard Fournette and uh, Kareem Hunt still floating out there. Not that if they signed here on on Tuesday, let's say of this week, that they're be actually being impactful this coming weekend. But uh, Devonta Freeman, like if you remember years ago, he signed. It was week five, week six, somewhere in there when the second one Barkley went down, and there was a window. Uh, where he was able to be flipped he and just on the prospect of he's a notable name going to here. He held out, and, and Fournette and Hunt are kind of in that boat now of in-season signings that if there's a season-long injury, and now we've got some. You know we've got uh, the Ravens. You know are they going to dive in? It seems like they're they're more comfortable. Uh, they got Melvin Gordon on the back end as well. Uh, the Saints are more of a shorter term thing. Uh, the Giants probably, but the Browns I think are that wild card. You know that you know could Kareem Hunt come back, but also uh, Leonard Fournette you know, being in the mix there with, you know, Jerome Ford, but Pierre Strong being let go by the Patriots, it kind of irks me of just uh, that he's not going to be one to trust, even though we're always dabbling, we're always price enforcing, we're always having uh, some, some bidding in the game with these running back situations on the waiver wire. And one other thing I would notate is with all this change and players that are now on the radius for for picking uh, picking up options, it's always important that we need options to cut. And so it's not a bad thing to to miss on, on valuations or miss on player bets when it's done cheaply. It's done for the cost of a roster spot. You could have, you know, Jerome Ford was a guy that we were stashing last December into the, into the offseason. This has been a long road to week three to get a clarified start. Holding all the way through, you get through the draft, you get through free agency. You get through the preseason, and now you get the injury that you needed uh, for Jerome Ford's value to come home, and here you are in week three standing to benefit. But here's some bets that haven't worked out. Tyrion Davis Price. You know, the fact that uh, Elijah Mitchell is back, he's healthy, not playing much because Christian McCaffrey blocks out the sun. But, you know, Jordan Mason beat him out, you know, essentially, and you have to go advantage Jordan Mason. Tyrion Davis Price is absolutely buried. Deion Jackson, he goes from a strong workload in week one to Zach Moss uh, basically saying, go sit over there in week two. And now Jonathan Taylor looms uh, back in relatively short term fashion. Deonta Foreman is one, that uh, Roshon Johnson, you know, I always say when when a rookie is even, he's leaving. And Deonta Foreman is one that he was even with Roshon Johnson, and now he's leaving and you lost. Deonta Foreman lost. And that's okay. You know, we need those types of bets that if you're not, if you're fading from running back two to three or two to four, then we're not that interested in you anymore. And I think that's very important. Keyshawn Vaughn, it looked like he was the de facto running back two. Well, he was. And Sean Tucker in a matter of weeks moved from four to three to two and now it's like go sit over there and chase edmonds actually got dinged up this past week um and, and zach moss uh, zach evans excuse me someone that you might have you might have got in the third round uh, of rookie drafts i actually saw some that you know the very late second round and it, it, that's the kind of bet you make, and you say, "Well, if he's running back three or four, and not really trending the right way, and certainly in the preseason he was not, that's someone you have to be open to cutting, and that's why you have to be very sensitive to paying 210 for that type of profile. But 309 could be could be tolerable. Why? Why? How we always talk in the the month of May." about uh, trading picks for veterans because you're more likely to keep the veterans and, and you will be hooked in to thinking you need to keep the rookies even if they end up being buried in its higher variance going into uh, week one. So again, I, I just want to cover that in a, an extended long first segment here because running backs, the carnage, absolutely real. I actually am in a league called Maximum Carnage, and it's referencing more quarterback and you know some of the, the cuts you have to make and some of the restrictions around that position, which makes it a fun format. But really, I think the theme this week uh, and the running back landscaped early in 2023 season is Maximum Carnage. Shame on me for not shouting out to the uh, winner in week one of the UTH Best Ball Contest. Uh, it's an entry uh, with prizes at the end of the road, UTH-centric and fantasy-centric prizes, uh, but just a fun way to compete against uh, UTH VIPs and fans. So a lot of people there are VIPs over at patreon.com UTH. You get a lot of benefits, but one thing you do is you get a fast track and auto entry into the annual Best Ball Contest. The other thing is being a super fan here on UTH. That means you're a general manager plus subscriber, you're a trade calculator subscriber, and you've been with the site for a decent amount of time. Uh, So all those things, again, just a way for me to pay back and uh, and have everybody over there at My Fantasy League. That's the only place I would have it hosted. And it's a best ball contest. You build it against the salary cap. I do my best to try to siphon away a lot of values uh, or low-hanging fruit uh, by waiting. It's the week before the contest. And so I wanted to shout out uh, every single week who who is uh, doing yeoman's work over there. And uh, Jorge, uh, I always love this. He's been in the contest for years, but hip, hip, hooray. Um, it, it took down in week one, the contest. I finished fourth. Uh, in week one, I've actually had a good string in the first couple weeks but uh, Jorge and again, I can't uh, offhand I'm not gonna go back and see uh, you know his actual week one lineup but uh, he's been doing really well uh, he's sharp shot uh, sharp shot no I've never said that before uh, the Uh, quarterback position. He's got Sam Howell, Jordan Love, Brock Purdy, and Tua Tagovailoa. Talk about a good quartet there of early results and tea leaves. Tua, can he stay healthy? But between, frankly, I think he'd be just fine if he just had Howell, Love, and Purdy at this point. Uh, TBD on uh, results beyond that. James Cook, looking like a good pick there for him. Jameer Gibbs ramping up, especially with David Montgomery missing time. Already mentioned Roshan Johnson, Alexander Madison, we're waiting for him to, to ramp up, and Sean Tucker. So good job by Jorge. (laughs) Okay. In terms of those positions, Brandon Ayuki got a big week one out of him. Jalen Waddell, we'll see about his injury. Um, Got Marvin Mims. He probably started for him here in week two. And uh, Hunter Henry, big time. Sam Laporta there at tight end. Still waiting for Tyler Higbee to take off in terms of some volume. It's all going to Puka Nakua there with the Rams. Uh, So, again, congrats to Hip Hip Jorge. Uh, Hope he wins again. Just so I can do that on the show. Week two, I finished second. Uh, So, uh, shout out to Anthony. Uh, who finished Who finished uh, number one on the week. And uh, again, good score from him. And uh, let's see, his his lineup this past week, uh, he's got Josh Allen on the rebound, Daniel Jones running around, uh, had a bunch of production as a runner. But he does lose second one Barkley, um, so that's going to hurt him. He scored 30 this week with the point-per-carry format. He's got Raheem Mostert. And uh, so Barkley's going to hurt him in future weeks. And uh, Marvin Mims found, found his lineup. He's got Puka Nakua, which uh, is going to be a boost to anyone in the contest. He was super cheap. Uh, Darren Waller uh, back and vibrant in his uh, in his tight end spot. And uh, again, not overly deep. Didn't really have much production left on his bench. But the perfect score storm week from Anthony A. So congrats in week two for taking down the contest. And uh, overall, in the contest. Tim C. is in first place. I am in second, uh, just about a point back. And we've got, uh, what is it, LBI Hurricanes. And uh, Chris is in number four. Hip Hip Jorge is fifth. Uh, So of the others, you know, Tim, Katie, and Jordan, uh, I'm holding there in second. We got, uh, who do we have next? Uh, Katie was almost DFL after week one. She came back uh, with with a vengeance in week two. So she's up in the... I'm just eyeballing it, you know, top, certainly top half of the contest. Uh, Let's see who among us quartet. Is it Tim or Jordan? Uh, Currently in last of the notable dignitaries here. Uh, Older, uh, we got the late night eye strain. I don't know. I'm not going to look for it. All right. So that's going to do it for the update here for the uth best ball contest and again i i don't know if i mentioned uh last week and i wanted to go through it now that we got a whole week one uh rep and going through here in week two that just all the offerings that are over at uth dynasty because it really has been uh awesome to to cover uh, in the the solo primarily solo venture that is uth uh, for me to cover it you get all the film note shows so that's, you know, Friday, uh, very early Friday morning, you get the Thursday night game, you're going to get the main show, which is usually about an hour, maybe a little past if there's no bye weeks. Uh, for everything you need to know, I watch every play of every game, West Coast, don't even get me started about this week, I was up till four in the morning. Uh, so that would have been 7am on the East Coast, people are probably like, they probably will if you wake up early on Monday morning, you're like, is Chad dead? That's probably the biggest way you would know is if Monday goes by and there's zero film notes show, you'd be like, I am actually concerned about Chad's well-being and safety. Something must have happened because I say I don't go to bed. And frankly, there's always a lull uh, if it's super late night, like 10 games in. I'm like, "Eh, maybe I do a two-parter. Never do a two-parter, uh, but you do get that show again. You, you always miss stuff on Sunday. I don't care if you watch Red Zone. You're sitting there watching box scores. You watch a uh, you know a few local teams or a, the the NFL Plus or Sunday Ticket uh, four box quad box or, or whatever. You're missing stuff, you know. And and I'm gonna distill it down into four five six minutes per game and uh, everything you need to know in those shows. Uh, The other part coming out uh, last week, did a double dip, a couple different episodes with UTH contributor Ryan, uh, where we were just talking about, uh, for example, uh, things that caught our eye uh, after week one, uh, dump truck players actually came up with that, guys that were, were fading away trying to sell all of that, a stock market report and strategy session. Uh, from week one. Also, I'm going to discuss key players in trading. Last week, I did J.K. Dobbins, but really, I need to make a laundry list. I had a list, and I only covered one guy, but in a typical week, I'm going to cover three, four, five guys in a short show, You know whether it's five minutes, um, but covering their profile, covering some trading strategy with them. Um, also, last week, covered each skill position. It was a total of about an hour, so you get each skill position of players' profiles to note for trading that particular week. And also uh, had UTH subscriber on Fletcher uh, covering some of the college football landscape. We talked about some of the bigger programs, bigger players, and uh, he watches uh, college football in Texas. So we ta- we centered on some of that discussion for about a half hour. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then later in the week, you get, uh, like I said, on Wednesday, it's usually trade day after we cover the waiver wire and everything that's involved in that. to so getting you get set up for your roster. But then we talk about trading on Wednesdays uh, in some of those shows. Then you get Uh, Like I said, the film notes out of Thursday night. Then you get a show about final thoughts on Friday night, uh, about moves to make, uh, the practice reports being finalized, and then uh, we do it all over again. Also, one thing I missed on Monday, you get the running back roundup, you get passing game utilization report, which is for wide receivers and tight ends, looking at uh, their usage and uh, some shifts from week to week. And uh, that's, again, all over at UTHDynasty.com. And we're on track for, pff, I don't even know how many shows this year. Already at 345. And it's not about the volume. It's about the quality. And it's also about making it into snippets so that is it is a shorter, more digestible show. Over at Patreon, you know, a whole different uh, animal, uh, all unique content. I get that question quite frequently. Um, some of the, the unique features, the VIP chat is unbelievable. I'm always in there the 90 minutes before kickoff on Sunday. We're talking trading uh, during the week. We're talking waiver strategy. We're sharing uh, what players are going for in some of our leagues to help refine strategy. Um, Another thing that is shared over there is uh, looking at, uh, you get a start rate chart at the end of every week. I usually put it up on Saturdays and uh, it's usually pretty sticky outside of two or three players that are in flux. Like for example, AJ Dillon, Joshua Kelly, guys like that, um, Zach Moss might be a little bit more in flux uh, late in the week just because there might be some ambiguity about, you know, uh, the general mass population, uh, setting their lineups and there being some ambiguity about, about attached players at that point in time. But, uh, first start rate, uh, you get those charts at the skill positions. And then also I've started doing, and it was really successful this past week, uh, looking at kicker and looking at defense, combining start rate and ownership, uh, to looking at, uh, you know, what optimizes, uh, what optimizes those for streaming possibilities. Um, also over there, you get the 10 big things show. So if you don't got time for the uh, film note show, you get the 10 biggest. Actually, this past week I did 15, couldn't help myself. Uh, 15 biggest things uh, coming out of the week through Sunday. You get that. It's usually five to eight minutes and uh, you get everything you need right in your inbox there on Monday morning. Um, also you're going to get a weekly waiver wire discussion with Tim torch and myself, also some ancillary topics of our choosings, um, on that Tuesday night recording session. We have the VIP chat. Like I mentioned, uh, you get, just get 24 seven access to, uh, me checking in. That's the place I go instead of emails, instead of all these other places, people try to get my attention. Uh, the VIP chat gets it first and foremost always. Um, and then last week, all, oh, appeal rating, appeal ratings is what I called the kicker and uh, defensive formula there. Um, also, uh, you get some player reactions. Um, I mentioned overtime with Tim and a bunch of other stuff. So highly active over there at UTH Patreon. You should definitely check it out. And like I said, you qualify for the uh, best ball contest next year uh, by signing up. That's at patreon.com slash I wanted to go over just a few, uh, a little preview, a little snippet of some of the things that you'll hear, whether it's running back wise or on the passing game utilization show and featured content on a weekly basis. I want to go over just uh, uh, two or three of those things. Um, one, uh, I thought it was uh, very interesting and the more uh, data points we're getting in this is uh, for Buffalo that a lot of people Still think it's Damian Harris over Latavius Murray for the running back two spot. It's James Cook starting, and we're excited about that. He's showing good upside, and he's showing good utilization. But uh, Latavius Murray versus Damian Harris this week, we had Murray with four times the number of routes of Damian Harris. They were about even rushing wise, but it is so key to get the guy catching passes. If everything else is equal, even if a guy's getting a slight edge in carries, you want the guy utilized in the passing game and that is Latavius Murray I call uh guys like him the uh like a veteran cockroach in fantasy just because you cannot kill them they show up on these depth charts and you cannot it's like Nelson Aguilar popping up in week two for Baltimore having a good game he's the same thing a fantasy cockroach uh unable to kill and uh, when you turn the lights on when you really focus on them. They end up scattering because they're always that deep, dark, uh, not secret, but just an underrated uh, play, an underrated uh, pickup and hold player in fantasy. Another one is Jake Ferguson in Dallas. I want it on the record, and if you've listened to this show or UTH content in general over the last six to nine months, you know that I'm a big fan of Jake Ferguson. Uh, I thought he had a successful small sample size alert rookie season. I thought he had a shot with Dalton Schultz, assumptive that he was going to move on to take that job. Now, Luke Schoonmacher was drafted round two. That's worrisome, but Schoonmacher in the off season had been... Uh, injured and recovering and really had vibes of Hayden Hurst of just saying I'm going to open this job potentially to a lesser pedigreed guy in Mark Andrews or in this instance some iteration of Jake Ferguson and Jake uh, Jake Ferguson pretty excited about him early in the season now It hasn't really gone as well as I would have liked. He's getting targets. He's at 30% targets per route run. So you love to see that. That's a hearty total that you can be a really strong tight end one. So that's the good news. The bad news here is 50% route share. That's low. Um, It's low and that's going to be tough to overcome that sheer opportunity. This past week is a good example that 50% route share and we're talking about Brandon Cook's being out and it's C.D. Lamb and whoever else and and it really is an optimal setting to step up. He was 50% in week one, 50% in week two and how long, you know, Luke Schoonmacher is starting to play and he's getting up to speed. Yes, he's only run six routes on the season, but four of them came last week, and and two in week one. So he's gonna start ramping up. And Ferguson really has to vice grip this job before Schoonmacher comes and potentially challenges for it. And you would like to see a higher uh, number uh, of of snaps and routes than that for Ferguson. And here's the other part. 0.67 yards per route run for Ferguson is horrific. For a starting tight end, that is horrifically low, and it's very concerning. So you take into effect that you know he has uh, he, he scored a touchdown. He c- could have had another one, um, but average depth of target or dot is 4.7. That's very low. You'd love much closer to 10, uh, ideally, uh, you know, in e- at least seven or eight. And, and so Ferguson is a short range guy, and he has a touchdown that helps his fantasy production for, for tight ends through, through two games for sure. And you have a guy that is not doing a lot on a per target basis. He's getting targeted a good amount, but he's not really doing enough, in my opinion, to say, oh, the job is his. Let's worry or let's think or let's analyze something else. No, we need to be analyzing this. So Ferguson for me is a streamer. Uh, but you always kind need of to, need to be looking for something else in a one tight end vein uh, for more upside. Maybe it's the next guy that gets injured, the next possible distressed profile. And then the other thing is, in a premium format, be open to including Jake Ferguson in deals to get something better, a two-for-one, a three-for-one, something like that. So again, I don't think this is decided. Uh, again, Schoonmacher is just barely grazing his initial opportunities in the NFL. And and uh, you know, so far this season it 's been c d lamb a little bit of Brandon Cooks, and then everything else is completely ancillary, and I would include Jake Ferguson in that completely ancillary discussion and bucket. One more I will mention is Marvin Mims. Uh, you know I was a fan of Marvin Mims. I thought on paper he looked like some iteration of Tyler Lockett, interestingly enough that Mims is playing with Russell Wilson there in Denver, and Marvin Mims is just getting started. You know, we kind of mentioned that about Schoenbacher, but to a higher degree uh, in Denver, we have Marvin Mims uh, just beginning to get opportunities. On the season, he's drawn 16 routes. Uh, he's only had four targets, but he has 122 yards. He's had two giant monster deep plays of note, and uh, his A dot is over 23. So he's just beginning to get opportunities, and it's in the deeper variety. Here's the crazy thing. Over seven yards per route run no, that's not something that's sustainable. Anything over two is outstanding in in a bigger sample size. Three, you know, is something that maybe you can do um, in a given season if you go completely nuclear at whatever sample size you have. Now, what I will say, though, is Marvin Mims still has work to do because, like I said, he's not running that many routes. Uh, he had 30% routes in week one, about 20% routes in week two, despite the impact he's already had. And the interesting part is a lot of other guys are having some level of success. Uh, You know, Brandon Johnson, for example, is over two yards per route run. A lot of people are like, who's Brandon Johnson? Well, again, he's producing. He's got a couple touchdowns on the season, almost 100 yards. Uh, And he's right there uh, uh, with Corlin Sutton in his production, yet half the number of targets. So Brandon Johnson is one from the ether. Jerry Judy missed week two, and he played week one. Corlin Sutton is there. They lost Greg Dolchich. Uh, There's a lot of moving pieces in and out. Little Jordan Humphrey uh, has had a little bit of success, but albeit not very efficient uh, use of his his routes. But the point is that Mims should be rising he should be, or I think a lot of people, they stack up depth charts in May. That He's the wide receiver three. It's Judy, it's Sutton, it's Mims. Let's get them all on the field, you know, 75% plus of the time and let's go to work. Well, that's not really what the first two weeks have been. Small sample size alert, but Judy, uh, you know, Judy uh, missed a game. Uh, Sutton has been unspectacular in general Uh, he's been okay but we're still waiting for that checks watch breakout season and then uh, like I said Brandon Johnson is is one that has surprised in terms of the opportunities he's been presented so Mims has some work to do to get all the way up there Uh, now Uh, Greg Tolchich out should help because that means only one tight end is probably going to see anything above even 40, 50% route share. Um, But Marvin Mims is the the last one of someone that really liked the profile, but what's the opportunity? So you haven't started him yet and all, uh, you know, his start rate is bound to go up, but he's a best ball special. Um, because unless you start getting in 65, 70, 75% plus snaps for uh, a route share, excuse me, for a wide receiver, it's very difficult to have a predictable and, uh, projectable start that you actually put in the head to head lineup setting, you know, setting lineups. So just keep that in mind that Marvin Mems, a flash, you know, can end up being a dash and it can be a, end up being a positive indicator for the future. But the future is a relatively ambiguous uh, amoeba of, of gelatinous uh, moving space of is it in week five? Is it week 12? Is it never this season. Is it next year? Is it the year after that? Is it the perfect storm of, well, Cortland Sutton needs to leave and Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy needs to get hurt? It, does there have to be a new quarterback? All these types of variables then that make it pretty fickle for a wide receiver to get all the way home in a predictable fashion. So that's going to do it this week. And again, if you like uh, snippets like that, listen to the UTH premium shows uh, going going into that, whether it's profiles analyzed for waiver wire consumption or whether it's for trading in and out uh, in terms of the dynasty stock market. I am Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, keep building those dynasties.